What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, SHIELD, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. SHIELD's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The 1930s were known for a lot of things. Prohibition. The literal cliff America stood at after overcoming one of the most economically depressing experiences of all time, so much so that it was literally called the Depression. What could the 1930s possibly hold? Not so strangely, it's the launching point for the final season of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the centerpiece of this episode of the program that returns for its final 13 episodes. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 7, the final season. Episode 1, The New Deal. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, we got a bunch to jump into, but first, some quick housekeeping. Something curious this way comes. For those of you that are diehard fans of the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network website, you'll no doubt have seen the Curious Goods podcast already. But for those of you that haven't, that are the diehard Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. folk that are coming back to imbibe in Marvel galore, there's even more nostalgia that awaits you by listening to the Curious Goods podcast. Uh, Nick, now a couple of years ago, approached me and asked me if I'd heard of this television show from the 1980s called Friday the 13th, the series. And oddly enough, I had. Which surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah, because uh, my, my, my dad, for those that either don't know or haven't listened to anything else, uh, was definitely a horror fan, without question. For everything that I love, action and comic books, my dad was that deep into horror, and especially the bad horror films. <laughs> so anything that had an alligator and a sewer and eating people, oh, yeah, yeah. dude, first in line, no, no question. The, the neat part is that he actually asked me to watch that show back in the 1980s. In fact, it was one of the last programs that we watched together before I voluntarily left their home. <laughs> so I, I never finished it. I never finished the show. And so when Nick mentioned that this was not only a chance to finish it, not only was it a chance to go back and remember some of the episodes that I was able to watch with my, with my dad, uh, but now also to revel in it even after now he's gone. So it was a, it's become a load of fun, and it's something I want all of you to go and take a listen to over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. And again, for those of you that think this is all about the hockey masks and sharp knives and teens having sex getting killed, 
No, that's no, no. that's no not campgrounds what, here. Yeah, there's no campgrounds and there's no hockey masks inside of this at all. This is all about cursed antiques. Oh, and that sound that you hear is everybody's light bulb switch going on. Because while you probably can't name the series, you probably do remember the series that featured cursed goods and a team of people that went to go retrieve them. Okay, well, that's this program. It's a ton of fun. It's very much in in the same elixir set that you have here inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The difference is that it's solely dedicated to that series, and it's just a ton of fun. Again, I encourage all of you to go over to CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. The Sound of Downloads Aplenty. One of the things I remember watching when I first started the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network was watching episodes from previous seasons get re-downloaded as fans reacquired our program mm. and then prep for the next season. Now, it was a lot of fun back then because you'd go dur- during a series of six months, you'd have 24 episodes. Right. And then you'd have a break, summer break usually, or maybe the end of year break. And then it would spool up again and then you'd have another 24. So mm-hmm. there was very much a tide of download that you could watch and it was very consistent. Um, our very first seasons of 24, we could plan on it. You could set a watch by it. I love that even though the seasons have changed radically, in particular this program, because for those that have forgotten, there's not only been a culling of not 24 episodes in a season, uh, where it's now been more than halved in yeah. many cases, yeah. but this program is legend for skipping dates and weeks and because of holidays and because of goofy schedules and because of movies and whatever right. else. This program is legend for skipping regular days and, and offerings. And so, lo and behold, as we spooled up to this, guess what downloaded started to appear thicker inside of the download reports? Well, not so strangely, it was all of season four, five, and six oh. for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. And that that really is a testament and a thank you to all of you that care at all about this tiny little program that we use to review this gargantuan leg on a table that is only just a very small piece of what Marvel chooses to provide us. Right. And I love that we have not only dedicated fans, but people that come so early to get caught up and use us as reference material. I love that and its dedication to what we've created there. And we will continue delivering the goods. Right. Only if you pay us $1.99 for each user, you can go over... I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for all the downloads, and we look forward to seeing even more as we finish out this season's capture. Uh, Speaking of which, it's now time to get to our review of Season 7, the final season, Episode 1, The New Deal. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Nineteen thirty-one. Slowly we turned. Step by step, <laughs> inch by inch. One of the true values of Hollywood, I think across any genre and or film, almost barring exception, is when they go back to the 20s, 30s, and 40s, they're so able to stick the landing on things like this. Mm. And this show is no question at all. If I would have closed my eyes and somebody would have said, hey, the year 1931, and opened my eyes, 
ding. <laughs> Giant flags. Man, hit it out of the park. I yeah. can't believe how good it is. Uh, we're going to talk about the color palette later, later on inside this episode, but it's exquisite. I, I, I love that they have bothered to use color correction to... They've done this before in the program, too. Yeah, yeah. Where it's not just indicating that it is a different time, but it is literally a different era. Mm. And they're using color correction to indicate that, snapping between each of the two. And it is a total nod to real-life storytelling that pays dividends hugely. Yeah, the use of set pieces when you travel through time, or or if it's a, a period piece, the fact that you are able, especially for this show, is able to capture it so well regularly right right because that sells the illusion yeah if it was only half assed then you're like oh yeah sure they traveled back in time whoop-de-doo yeah but you actually feel like not not only because everything does look authentic Mm -hmm. but they're reacting to it as it is authentic Uh, the, the other way that i can tell that they've done it and made it so authentic is that even though they are very very awkward and that, you know, they're not in character appropriately, like, right. at all. <laughs> I mean, look, look look across the cast of agents that go into the past. Right, right. None of them, like, at all. Some, really, some Coulson are, is the only one who could really pass for 1930s he, authentic, yeah, and, 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 and even and, he. And his zeal to be authentic it sticks out like a sore Right, thumb. yeah, exactly. And, and that's what makes it all endearing is that everybody else is having those grand moments of Marty McFlydom that, like, it doesn't really make much sense. Dad, dad, daddy-o. <laughs> all of that. And right. they've been able to capture that in just this very short, very first episode. And it starts immediately. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I've always valued about this program is that they don't waste any time. If I had to tell you the, the grandest feature of this episode in this series... It's that there is zero time wasted. There is no meaningful glance across the screen. There's no, boy, sure hope the audience figures out what I'm trying to show inside of the screen. (laughs) None of that. There's none of that. You are fed information. You are given everything that you need to. The soundtrack is appropriately placed. And that finishes this review of this episode. I'm kidding. (laughs) A true face-off. Wow. Holy crap. So, yeah, this is amazing. And it's not because, man, Mike loves to see faces torn off. Oh, that's not what this is about. This is about showing something that is fantastic and completely outside the box, but actually showing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, look, there's a dude there that's got like an eraser head for a face. They took his face off. It's gone. It could have been easily just shine the light on the actor's face, cut away, hear the scream, and then the next thing you see is the actor the now with our face. Right. But they actually go and show the process yeah. of it being erased off. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, yeah. right out the gate. Yeah. W- within within two minutes of this episode starting and we yeah. get something so extraordinary like this happening. The the past meeting the future. Yeah. Not only the future, but high tech alien future. Yeah. I also love the dubious nature of the cops that when they when they meet the Chronicoms for the first time. I mm. lo- I love the attitude yeah. that they get like you got to be kidding me. Really? <laughs> and I love that because it's authentic. It's hey, who are you? Go kick rock. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly what it felt like. Mm, yeah. And that they were willing to, to, to share what they were just thinking to these people that look completely out of place. I loved all of that. I thought it was great. The pulp time card. This is wonderful. 
Mick and I have been talking about what kind of art we're going to be using for our episodes this season because mm. not only is it the final season, but hey, look, time travel. And so I've tucked in this wonderfully noir-esque writing inside of the art for the the episode art that we've got for our episodes. And knowing that there is time travel waiting for us inside of this episode that I'm going to guess is probably not only through the 1930s, but through a number of other decades and eras and whatever else. Man, I'm really excited about that because I I don't think this will ever be the last ever Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. anything. But when are you going to have the time to go back and accidentally see what the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. logo might have looked like in the 1980s or whatever else they're going to give us? Right. And I love that. I love that they're not taking, at least not yet, they're not taking time travel as a as a crutch where, you know what, let's do time travel because it, it sells. I don't feel any of that as I get into the beginning of this episode or anywhere during this entire episode, and I love that as well. The Strange World of the LMD. You guys will remember that back in season four is when we started digging into LMDs. And not only was I, I wasn't just elated, I was jubilant that we were bothering to look at what was the concept and then the, the starting roots of what we're looking at in regard to storytelling that includes a life model decoy. Mm. Because it's one of the very first things that I ever wanted to see inside of the Iron Man series was, are they going to bother? Are they going to show us? Well, they even tease it in the second Iron Man film when Coulson's trying to contact Tony. He says, you've reached the life model decoy of Tony Stark. So I'm like, so there's life model decoys around here now? Yes. And and I love that. I love that. Not only I love that they're re-evoking that, because again, I was jubilant back then. I'm jubilant now mm-hmm. that, that we can take that, we can tweak it, we can throw a, a new set of tires and a cool hood ornament on it, essentially. And it all works. Oh, and hey, by the way, here's Coulson, bitches. Yeah. I dig that. And I, I really do. It's one of those things that is synonymous with the organization in the comic series. Mm-hmm. LMDs are, they're almost standard issue. Mm. There are so many mm. classic war hero characters, Nick Fury, Dum Dum Dugan. Uh, there there's so many characters that have had life model decoys being used so that they can be multiple places mm-hmm. on the globe doing multiple missions, and you never know which one is the real Nick Fury or the real Dum Dum Dugan. It's very similar to what Dr. Doom was always do. You know, back in the classic comics, it's like, all right, we finally defeated Dr. D- oh, it's a Doombot. Damn. This is the same thing. We finally get something sophisticated enough. And, and in this episode, in this very episode, we up the ante. Oh, totally. By adding Chronicom technology to it. Right. I, and I so appreciate that because I think the biggest thing it's going to give us is that we don't have to, nor are we confined to have to go back to a previous episode of this series to go, well, wait a minute, they didn't do that before. Why would they do it now? Right. We don't have any of that. No. It, it's a complete hybrid. Uh, we know it's the last season. We know that the storytelling is in place. And hey, by the way, the episode moves so fast, you wouldn't even have thought of that. I love all of that. A new base of operations. Yeah, man, Nick and I are going to hate it. 
when the agents go into their new HQs. Man, it sucks. I'm giving this episode a one right now. The, uh, I'm not gonna what what would you call it? The, the DeLorean Zephyr? <laughs> because it can travel through time now? The DeZephyr. The DeZephyr. Because it's been totally outfitted with state-of-the-art stuff. We've we've now mixed the the state-of-the-art stuff from Stark Ze- Industries. The Zephlorian. The Zephlorian. <laughs> and we've also got Chronicon alien technology fused together. Holy crap. Yeah. Finally, it, we, we've got a base of operations that can actually deliver yeah. for the mission that they are on. Yeah, and not only do I love deliver, but I also love, and I didn't get this until I accidentally came across an article that is from uh, a really great writer over at Den of Geek. We, we've mm-hmm. got to make sure we linked off to the article. It, it's tremendous because inside of it, I, I didn't even think about this, but there is no comms, bitches. <laughs> you know why? There's no freaking satellites. That's right. So enjoy your no comm. I just totally... Zing right past my head. I would have never even thought of that. The, the fact that they actually hand out the walkie-talkie so they they can stay in contact. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. It, it's a brilliant point. It's a piece of storytelling that you know. Even if they did go ahead and use it as a crutch eventually later on, where you know instead of having crystal clear technology where they don't even have to put their finger in their ear to understand anything, mm. you just suddenly hear Colson. I don't even mind if they do any of that. Right. Because that's how it would work. It would make sense. And uh, again, I, I I love all of that. Powerful perspectives aplenty. Man. Again, the storytelling element that you give me that has its own robust, literal character and can stand on its own is instantly more interesting than anything you might think is cool. Mm. Let me explain. Let's run through the people that go out into the time verse. I don't know what to call it. Into the 1930s. Let's run through each of those characters real quick. So we've got Quake. All right. Superpowered woman now not featuring purple hair. Who, by the way, a gorgeous. She's drop dead knockout gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just incredibly beautiful. But she's also got to learn somehow to tame her power so as to not be overtly seen, I guess, by a whole bunch of people. Oh, and by the way, she's got to do it with this very constrictive outfit on. Yeah. Uh, it's perfect. It's the foil storytelling for Quake. And it works out perfectly for Daisy. Let's talk about L.M. Colson. <laughs> L.M. Colson. One, this was a marvel. Ha. Just to bring him back. But it wasn't stupid. I don't. I didn't. I was. I was. I was scared when uh, uh, Agent Kip, who is a good friend of ours, who's been in, who's been inside of a series of other reviews with us, uh, when he dropped over, he dropped a trailer to me. Which, I, by the way, I don't watch any trailers or anything else. Right. And I didn't look on it before I clicked. I just clicked because he sent me over a video. And I'm like, oh cool. Oh god. And I saw that. Oh my god, it's Cole's. How are they going to do this? How stupid is that going to be? None of it. None of it was stupid. Uh, I was so expecting that to be candied and, oh, I see. So we got to bring back the dead guy because otherwise no one else will watch the last season. No, that's not the case at all. It's just that he happens to be there. And the story that they've decided to bring him in for is great. And the attitude that they've given L.M. Coulson, I think, is spectacular. 
the, the, the affinity of looking back in on your life that is over and has been over several times, but now you're alive again. Asterisk. Yeah. Man, I think that that is just brilliant. Mac. Mac as the put-on black dude inside of 1930s America. How brilliant is that? He's got to keep his, his ass in check. Mm-hmm. And it's understated. It, it's, not like, it's not like he's a black militant Black Panther guy in the 1960s inside of 1930. He didn't, he didn't do any of that. No. And it would have been so easy to pigeonhole that kind of activity and that showcase of a character that is black inside of 1930, inside of this series, on a major television network. Yeah. They didn't do it. They didn't do any of it. They've given him the chair of directorship along with the mantle of responsibility that showcases brilliantly inside of this episode as a character. In this episode specifically, both Mac and Daisy deal with the prejudice of being an African-American and being a woman. Uh, a dame. In, a dame yeah. in yeah. 1931. Yeah. And not only do they, they handle themselves well... The whole situation is handled well enough to where it's authentic enough without being HBO authentic. Yes. Yeah. You know I, what I'm I saying? Totally, I totally agree with that. The, the, there they are, they there don't are, ignore it. Yeah. You know what but I But mean? they also don't beat you over the head with how bad it was back then. Right. Well, you know what, what I would equate it to is they had every opportunity, and they've done this in several, in several instances previously in the show, where rather than just showing the digital abilities of the zapper thing to rip the dude's face off mm-hmm. and then leave an eraser face. Well, they could have done it full blown gore with, you know, sinew and muscle and whatever else. Yeah. And they didn't do that because not only is it on ABC slash Hulu, it's also a piece of the Marvel universe and not on HBO. Right. So I, I would, I would equate it to that for sure. Deke. I, I can remember you and I talking about a couple of lines previously for Deke in both directions where some of his line carry through and conveyance is incredibly touching because it's of essentially a grandson who who can't connect because of time, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you go? Oh, it's only time. Well, dude, it's time. You're right. So too bad for him. So sorry. But then you also have where he can instantly get on your nerves if they wrote it wrong. Yes. And they don't write it wrong. No, no. Every single instance inside of this episode I think is perfect. He's the, he's the little piece of electricity inside of every single scene that he's in. There's one that uh, strikes a chord almost instantly inside of this where he's busy researching the faces that have been erased based on the yeah. bone structure trying to identify the people. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's really freaking cool. And as he's finishing up the last one and the, the police officer that he's trying to identify then walks up behind him. <laughs> and as he's casually talking, oh, nothing going on here that isn't period correct. <laughs> or you're correct. I'm trying to remember the exact line, but it was it was fantastic. It was perfectly him. And it was it was carried through perfectly to frame the character. And that's what they've been able to do inside this episode. Mm. And I'm going just going to guess the rest of the episodes of this season is that they've been able to craft all the dialogue that fits all the characters, that propels the story, that propels the pacing, that utilizes the surroundings of everything that you see inside of the frame and gives you a big fat smile. Yeah. Period. And uh, again, I love coming back to this show because I was was trying to remember, not not that I can't remember, but the one thing that I come back out of with 
my viewings of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., especially from the last three or four seasons. And it's that when we get to minute 42, I'm already satisfied. And now they're going to throw in another delicious cherry pie piece <laughs> with whatever they're going to give us as the zinger at the end. Yeah. And uh, it, it is just, it's so satisfying, Nick. I, I Again, I love what they're doing with this show and the, the characters in the show. None of it feels wasted. None of it feels like it's burning time. Because, Jesus, we got another four and a half minutes. What else are we going to do? Right. And that's what makes me angry, knowing that there are so many other programs that do exactly that. Mm. Every episode where they go, okay, how long can we have a 3D scene that kind of zooms around the ship so we can pad the episode? How and, much slow-mo can we shove into this episode yeah. to pad time? Yeah. And, and, and when I see stuff like that, I, it really does make me angry because, ding, ding, ding. You can look at this show, and at every single episode, it has moments like this that just all pay off. There's never a time this episode doesn't mm-hmm. pay, and I love it. That's where we ask you guys, what was your favorite character, the ones we just mentioned inside this episode? Go over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you thought. Being struck by someone you know, but don't know. If you go back at the front end of this episode, and I, I think I was struck by her expression, which is why it's so late inside of the bullet points inside of this episode. <laughs> Daisy's expression inside of this is absolutely a thousand percent awesome and authentic looking. Mm. She can't believe that she's looking at Colson. She can't. Right. A- and well, she just spent the last season looking at someone who looked like Colson. Yeah. And, and, and it's amazing. Again, when I look at the character arcs that this show has given us, uh, for those that have forgotten, and my my love and woo moments inside of this series over the last four or five seasons, I hated me some Daisy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, oh, the the tech, oh, I'm sorry, the tech Sky. girl in oh Sky. Sky, right. remember it was Sky back then. Yeah, it's the tech girl who can hack. She can hack the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and and I I it. It was one of the endearing points of Dark Angel, but it is what I hate whenever anything else has tried to use it because it's just always done stupidly. The movie Hackers is a great sample with Angelina Jolie. That's the girl that every other television program has tried to make over the years. And it's just, it's not fun and it's stupid, especially as you get more educated on how the things that they're doing actually work. And and that they've been able to craft somebody that I, she didn't have to say anything. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, here's your freaking award, you know, just brilliant, brilliant acting and her being struck by someone that she knows, but she doesn't know that person, man. It, it was glorious to watch that. Preparing for info dump in three, two. I got a little bit scared here. No. And then I remembered how many times this show has paid off <laughs> deep information dumps flawlessly. Mm-hmm. And not only does it pay off the information dump inside of this initial piece, at least, flawlessly, it also dangles question marks all at the same freaking time. Just brilliant. I, I dream of being in the writer's room when they're coming up with the concepts of what they want to try to hit inside of this the series in general, yeah. not just this episode, the whole series, because what is clearly evident as is seen inside this episode, just this one episode, we're talking about layered storytelling that I think we're going to really marvel at when it's all done. Right. 
I, I seriously. No, no, I, think I, we're gonna, I we're, agree. We're gonna get done with we're gonna get done with thirteen episodes. We're gonna marvel before then, but we're gonna get done with thirteen episodes, and we're gonna go. God damn, that was satisfying. There will be a payoff when when the final episode of this season shows up. There will be a payoff not only for the season, but for all seven seasons yeah. for the entire run of the show. Yeah, and for anybody that has stuck with this show from episode one, you will be given. That special birthday surprise, <laughs> and and I'm I'm apprehensive. Actually, I don't want it to end. Yeah, yeah. But I, I know it's coming. But I want it to end because I know that I'm going to get a satisfying ending. Yeah, I I, I think one of the most important pieces of what is going on with Agents of Shield right now is that we know it's going to be done, mm-hmm. and I think that's great. I would rather know that it's going to be done, and I this is something you and I have talk back and forth about across a variety of different television programs and movies that we've reviewed. Mm-hmm. But I, I will take somebody going, you know what? We're going to have five seasons and then we're done. Yeah. I don't have any problem with that. Mm-hmm. It, it almost becomes like it's a piece of back end anticipation where it's not a fuse being lit, but it's where you go. Okay. And it's not a hurry up offense. Like, okay, well this is going to end soon. So you better hurry up. It's not that it's the reverse of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's incredibly valuable, and I wish that there were other programs that could do things like this. Yeah. Uh, for every win this is as a series, knowing that this is it, Game of Thrones wasn't. Oh, yeah. Let's not even bring that up. Right. Well, it's got to be brought up, though, because <sighs> we did know that that was going to be the final season, and what they True. chose to do was nothing satisfying they, at all. They chose to hurry up and get it done. Yeah. And I and don't... I don't. this I, show doesn't do that. No, This show's it never not has. going to do that. It's not... Right. Oh, we got to hurry up so we can get on to our next big project. It's we're going to give this the love and attention that it deserves. Yeah. And it's moments like these, taking it all the way back to the actual talking point. It's moments like these where you see Colson, Ellen Colson, getting the info dump and reacting to it. Yeah. Yes. And reacting yes. badly to it because it, oh, what, 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 too much information too fast to the point to where Mac. Has to shut, shut him, him down. off, yeah, because it's it's upsetting Mac, yeah, more probably as much as it's as it's upsetting L. M. Coulson, yeah. I, again, just masterful storytelling, masterful character building, mm. and hey, by the way, we're eleven minutes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was so much featured here, Nick, but the I think what hit me the most is this. <laughs> Simmons, she doesn't look dead into the camera, but it's pretty close to dead in the camera. And she literally says the words, I barely understand it. And for other shows, you know, the ones that suck, (laughs) that is the instant ripcord being pulled for, okay, it's time to make up outrageous shit that makes no sense for anybody watching. Ready? Let's go. Right. And initially I got scared. And then the last four seasons of television programming righted my boat. Because what they're saying literally is that she doesn't understand it, but it's going to get explained. And so now you're you're ready to take it all in. It it's a it's a it's a magical little piece of elixir that is like the swirl stick in the drink. The fun thing about it is that it doesn't get explained though. Well no the, the explanation is it took Fitz and I a very long time to figure this out and I don't even understand it fully. Right. But, but it works. But, but it'll work. Right. But that's the solution. That that's kind of right. right. We don't have to, we don't have to have the actual. Right. She may as well be swirling the stick at the mm-hmm. moment she says, "I barely understand it," and then take the stick out. The drink settles, and you take a swig, and it's done. 
And I love that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know another television program that pays off that well, except for maybe like the super meat episodes of the X-Files. Mm, like classic X-Files. Right. Not yeah. that crap they issued a couple of years ago. And I, I miss that. I love it when television is so satisfying. Well, we've talked about it before with this show. All it takes is a couple of lines. Yes. To explain something. Yeah. yeah. And this this worked perfectly. A decent reason to bring back Coulson. I think I've already struck on this, but let's hit it again because, again, I think it's that brilliant. Well, it's an end important. Yeah. Again, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with Coulson, mostly because of the characters that are inside of the Marvel Universe. I'm trying to think of another one that bathes in nostalgia. And the silence I hear is the audience also thinking the same where, nope, mm -hmm. yeah, may, maybe Cap. But Cap is doing it in reverse where somebody goes, hey, man, Star Wars. What? <laughs> hey, man, Jeopardy or whatever would also be on the list. Oh, so I get Cap that pulls out of, Yeah. And so Cap pulls out a, pulls out a notation book. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe Nick Fury. Yeah, maybe. But in a completely different vein where. Right. Well, uh, yeah. I, I, no. I can. I can. <laughs> I could see both Nick Fury and the original real Coulson bidding on eBay with like like phonemes so that you don't actually know that it's them <laughs> with pen names. And and each of the the two of them are the one that are bidding on the real authentic Captain America collector's card. And of course, Coulson wins because he's using everything in the book where Nick Fury's too busy to pay attention and get the sniper shot at the end for the car. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, Cap Lover 72. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Snipes, one-eyed bad mofo. <laughs> yes. In the, in the final seconds of that eBay auction yes, for that last card. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Those are the two that I see inside of the program. And I love, I love thinking of things like that because it, it works. And it builds that weird background that maybe nobody ever's even thought of that inside the writing books. But damn, it's good. Mm -hmm. And that we can wax on things like that and, and, and have fun with that because of the sense of how this is built. It's brilliant. It's just brilliant writing. Yeah, because in, instead of just, hey, we're giving you Coulson back because it's the last season, it's we have to have some version of Coulson back because it's the mission. Yes. And he is the best individual for the job because he knows the history of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. And and the the cluing in piece, um, again, the way that they wrote it is so finely tuned. Mm. It's the perfect meal. It's like, you know, okay, well, we need, we need the perfect two cheese tomato omelet real quick. Got it? And the writers go, there you go. And you take it in and it's done and you move on to the next thing where they're going to now make something else that is a perfect recipe for whatever the situation is. And I love that. I love being I love being ringside to watch it all happen and be delivered. It's just great stuff. The leaving of faceless bodies. I love that this is so extraordinarily interesting because it is one of the last things that I think anybody would ever think of. It's very, I would equate it to when you and I go, man, nobody was wearing gloves. They're going to leave fingerprints all over the place. Blah, 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 blah. Right. And people go, ah, oh, really? Well, this is the same thing, except that it's in reverse where the aliens left the bodies because they just didn't think that far in advance. Yeah. And then they pull up on the, on the, that they notice that somebody's going through the structure and they found the bodies. Damn, wish we'd have thought of that. Well, and it's paid off. 
Yeah. And I, again, I don't know any other programs that bother to take the time to do it in reverse like that, much less take care of it on the front end. Usually it's just, hey, no gloves, walk around, touch everything. Hey, wave at the camera on the center of the street, whatever else. Yeah. And nobody thinks about any of that. Well, they're actually working this into the story and how it may, would have made a lot of sense because with maybe the exception of some sort of terrible power tool accident or some sort of construction doom. That's the only time you'd see somebody with no face back then. Yeah, but it, it would be a bloody mess. The They have no face. It was like, it As was literally a racer head. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it, it was very reminiscent of the blank from the Dick yeah. Tracy movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely you right. You know, it, literally just nothing. No yeah. features, no anything. Yeah. And the the interesting thing is, these super high-tech future from the future alien constructs don't think ahead enough to go we should dispose of the bodies immediately it's oh the bodies won't be discovered this quickly because they even say we did not calculate the bodies being discovered this soon yeah okay well you know what yeah. it's nice to know that even super uh, high-tech <laughs> intergalactic alien <laughs> creatures aren't all that bright either yeah yeah because if they that. didn't leave the bodies yeah. yeah right yeah yeah because if they didn't leave them our team our, our crew would have nothing to go and investigate yeah and we would have no story yeah I, I, again it's 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 marvelous writing it pays off for the characters that are involved but it pays off even more for the people that are watching it all happen just good stuff the butterfly effect versus the stream concept explanation this is another extraordinary piece of storytelling, mostly because if you go back to any modern day feature film that features time travel, you're going to fall into something where you can just go, oh, sure, but isn't Coulson going to go grab the sports almanac and make a billion dollars? Okay, well, if we can just sidestep all that and get the storytelling done, we'll be just fine. Well, and look what happens. Yeah. Look what happens. It's, and it's actually it's, kind of interesting, the fact that Endgame is wrapped in the whole concept of if you change anything, it causes uh, an al uh, an alternate future. Yeah. An alternate timeline is created. Brain skew. It's like, well, yeah. but, but that's not what we've learned from all these other time travel films and, and TV shows. Where this is concerned, Deke, in just two lines... Yeah basically says okay well you know there's there's there is one theory on it but then there's this also this other theory which i would like to believe is the more plausible one yeah. as long as you don't make too many waves if you don't make waves everything's fine ripples are okay because everything will still work out the same way and that is probably one of the most simplistic ways to describe time travel yeah again it comes back to where i would have loved to have been a, a stick in the mud in the room in the stream of consciousness inside this room <laughs> where they develop this and go okay so how what is the most simple breakdown for time travel and interference protocols that we can give to the audience in a matter of three lines go and they start going around the room and they go okay uh what if and they just start saying things I, I, th this season is the season I want to try to go get a writer because what on earth would they have to lose come on the show? Right. And I want to thank them all for the last four or five seasons of delicious content yeah. 
that has been featured on this program, including this little gem, because it's glorious. It's glorious. It's quick storytelling. It's satisfying storytelling. And it doesn't, nobody has to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to discount anything that you've ever seen inside the lexicon of time travel. Yeah. You just take it in and you admire it and it's fun. Yes, let's do that. Suiting up for a different era. Uh, we've already touched on how not only classic, but how endearing, you know, how completely engaged with your face you are when you're watching them suit up and appear in 1930s garb. And it it reminds me very much of what I think has been missing from at least the most recent Indiana Jones film, where you see the fedora, you know that it's coming, you might even hear the the call, the dun-dun-dun, or a version thereof, and mm-hmm. go, oh my God, Indiana Jones is going to pop out. But the last several times that Indiana Jones has popped out, Mike Wilkerson has not popped out at all or popped up <laughs> at all for Indiana Jones. But the piece of nostalgia and the, the interest and the zeal that is showcased simply by them walking through a doorway in garb is, is intoxicating. And the, the whole, you know, har har behind the scenes is, okay, it's time to suit up. Where for the last five years, whenever somebody says suit up, or no, for the last seven years... Because it was right. Avengers where that where that all started propping up, if I'm not mistaken. Time to suit up. Okay, well, no problem. Except that it's very commonly suited up, but they're all gorgeous. They're all gorgeous. They're perfectly period insert. And I, I love that moment inside this episode. The printed badges. This is great. Another quick nod to where we are, not only in 2020, but... W- however Deke understands how things are made today <laughs> where rather than going, you know, I somehow made some resin and then I made a vacuum form set to put the resin into, to make these badges. I just printed them up quick. And I love that. Oh, right. Uh, well, uh, one would have to believe that the Zalorian has the, a really high tech 3d printer. So, you know, just to just whip up a couple of uh, badges. And it's funny that Deke, would think that these are the badges <laughs> that the 1930s it would be authentic looking yeah, yeah. because because none of it nobody's nobody's would yeah. really buy it if if they actually really looked at it look it's a star with bumps on the edges it may as well just said the word law in the middle <laughs> right. and the best way to write it off We're Mounties. canadian mounties yeah. And then this is, again, we, we it might be something we want to start inside of this season because of how the storytelling is going. But something inside the storytelling that lets us focus on a piece of the writing. And the one inside the writing is brilliant for Mac. When he looks the cop dead in the eye and he goes, oh, that happens in Canada all the time. And it's so, it is glorious. It's glorious that it's paid off. Nobody's smiling. Nobody's giggling behind their hand. None of that. It's all just right there in the moment. And then the story speeds on and you barely even notice it, but it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. I love that. I thought that was a great moment inside this episode. How many, I can't believe I remember this, but moments will we have this season? Originally, it was my negative Mike Wilkerson brain that had flipped on here. Because while I can take the L.M. Coulson and the L.M. Coulson attitude through all of this episode, how many of the, I can't remember, I remember this, but 
and then the solution pops out of Phil Coulson's mouth throughout the the season, can we stand? Mm. The answer is we endure it three times inside this episode, and I'm not sick of it. Right, right. So I'm good. I, I, w- I was concerned because anytime we go back to the well or we don't have a piece of storytelling, what I'm afraid is going to happen or was afraid is going to happen, they're going to go, okay, well, we need to pull something out of L.M. Coulson ass so as to make pavement for the next series of 25 minutes. I didn't feel any of that, even though they did some of that inside this episode. Right, right. Well, and and be, it's probably because of the earlier talking point, the whole reason of having Coulson be brought back. Yeah, yeah he totally. is the one yeah. that would know all this stuff, mm-hmm. even the most obscure detail about the history of Shield. He is supposed to know, and that that is why. He is back. Mm-hmm. That is why they they did what he did not want them to do and brought him a version of him back into an LMD. Yeah. So then, as long as as long as he is serving his purpose of this is why you're here on this mission, I, I'll I'll be I'll live with it. I will I will totally live with it. But I will just like you. I will call it out if it starts to get silly. Yeah, and and that that's what I don't want to see. As long as it all makes sense and it pays off and mm-hmm. and isn't a speed bump in the in the pace of the episode, I'm good. Yeah. And I thought that the the series of showcasings that they have inside this episode were totally appropriate and used well. Talking tech. The biobed that's mending May. There were many examples of tech inside this episode. Oh, yeah. The first that we saw was the face-ripping, eraser face-making. Face-off. Yeah, the, the technology piece. And a number of other ones that were inside this episode. But the one that got me, and it's probably because, hey, it's May and she's getting fixed, is this bed, the bio bed that is mm. fixing May literally from, hey, look, it's dead May, to in two weeks, it's not going to be dead May. Right. I, I thought that that was extraordinary and, and incredibly paid off in uh, the series of sections that were shown inside this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it also gives a, a yet another reason to focus a, a, a favorite character of mine now uh, uh crossing these handful of last seasons enoch mm. always great to have enoch around Agreed. and uh, it, it would make sense that he would be the one operating the very high-tech alien-esque interface. yeah interface to save may yeah that's where we ask you guys what was your talking tech moment inside this episode season seven episode one the new deal let us know what you think by going over to our website that's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you thought was endearing in regard to tech inside this episode. Shame versus blowing the mission. This is wonderful because when I say the word shame, you know, you instantly think of, oh, so being guilted into it. Mm. And the writing that is paid off here is so wonderfully not guilt-ridden yeah simmons is able to convey that essentially if you had a scale and it was whatever you're feeling versus getting the mission done you know you make your choice i'm going to be right over here and i love that right i love that it doesn't have to be the dire choice of if you don't pick up this hammer everybody is going to die i love that we don't have to heap more guilt onto yo-yo for whatever the hell we're going to heap on for her again. 
I love that it doesn't become some sort of Peter Parker moment where she then chooses that because the new arms not only make more sense, but she can do more things with those new arms and not be recognized and blah, that she's going to do it. We don't have to have any of that. She just chooses, I'm going to do it with the arms. And we don't need any other the back explanation. Well, and we, we don't we, have to have the, get... the contemplative moment where she's li- literally leaning left and right. We, don't we have, have a contemplating moment, but it's no, she's not literally jumping back and forth on one foot. Do I do it? Do I not? Do right. I do it? Do I not? Yeah. She has reasons for not wanting to do it. She does not want to pretend that losing her arms didn't happen and that this isn't who she is. Right. I loved that. Yeah. But at the same time, and like you said, she's Gemma wasn't shaming her into it. It's Correct. like, here's the thing. If you want to be out there and, and be involved, a woman with metal hands, metal arms, is going to stick out like a sore thumb. Right. So if you want to be a part of the mission, you have to do this. But you can make whatever decision you want. And I'm going to be over here while yeah. you make that decision. Yeah. And I, I and, and it doesn't even take that. it doesn't even take until the final f- moments of the episode where oh and she triumphantly comes out with new no it's it's literally a few minutes later and it's yeah. like okay so she thought about it yeah and everything's fine I, I also like that they that they went without the needing to snap in an arm moment mm. and they they gave just enough time and effort where she's able to touch her face and kind of giggle right yeah where it's touching all mm-hmm. of it's touching. Mm-hmm. But it's not that whole, and as I'm sitting in front of Nick, I'm screeching out all of the awesome pathos that you're supposed to feel as a viewer. There isn't any of that at all. And then the story moves on. Yep. And that is what I love about this show. The story moves. It never sits. It never sits in its own stew ever. Right, right. Pacing's on point. Color palette is tremendous. There's a series of external shots inside of this from the front end to the back end of this episode that I think are tremendous. Mm-hmm. That not only does it instantaneously snap you back to where you're supposed to be inside the 1930s, it is an instant showcase for some wonderfully looking people that are inside of everything that fits. None of it sticks out like a sore thumb. It all works and fosters the storytelling. Period, paragraph. Right, right. It's one of those things that makes me want to go back and rewatch season one of Agent Carter. Absolutely. Because it, had, it had that exact, yes. sa- even though it's 10 years earlier mm-hmm. in the timeline, mm-hmm. it still had that, as you, as you call it, the color palette. It is that palette. Yeah. And I think that's where season two, when you move to L.A. and have the story taking place in sunny Los Angeles, you kind of lost a little bit of that. Well, even though we're talking about the shininess of of <laughs> L.A., it lost some of the luster that it had yeah. with that muted palette yes. of the you know mid twentieth century New York. Patton Koenig walks in. I'm not nearly as bowled over with Patton Oswald as you are, but I, I don't I don't mind him. I'm just kind of sick he's, of him appearing of and then disappearing. He's he's one of mine. He's 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 a geek. He's a hardcore comic book geek, yeah. has been an unabashed comic book geek, has been has been he was actually one of the few early comics that celebrated his his geekiness in his comedy. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the reasons why he became so popular because he was rising in popularity at the same time that geekdom was becoming mainstream. Yeah. 
and he has been a part of several different franchises that I have followed. Mm-hmm. The most interesting one of all, because you, let's let's be fair, he's not an imposing character. He's not a, a physical character. Yet here he is, he's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and has been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for quite a few seasons mm-hmm. in one guise or another. And I got to tell you, I was not expecting this. But damn it, once that once I heard his voice and he walks out, I'm like, oh, we're introducing the relative. We're introducing the ancestor. We're introducing the lineage. And and he's a bootlegger. Okay, fine. I, I'll play along. Yeah. And, and playing along, I think, is where I'm going to leave this bullet point. I Again, I don't have any allegiance to Patton Oswalt. Uh, what I need to do is I need to take in some more of his comedy. Mm-hmm. I think that I think I've probably not taken in enough to be a judge either way, whether I like it or not. Yeah. I love that he's a geek. I love that he's showcased inside the television show. He's just a dude like you and I that happens to appear inside of a television show that we both dearly love. And uh, it, it's great to see him here. And I know I would like his characters more. Right. If they didn't then just instantly choose to kill him. <laughs> yeah. And and that's where I don't want this to go because that will be a ding. I, and I don't want that ding. Right. So I'm ding-averse because of Patton, <laughs> Patton Oswald's penchant for getting murdered. The chain to a future president and the meat of the episode's story. You know, I'm a sucker for stuff like this. Because it instantly spreads its wings over to Quantum Leap, where Sam and Al instantly make gold every single week. Mm-hmm. I tune in every single week, four or five minutes early at least. It was the only show I never missed when I was younger. Yeah, Every single show I was there. And this instantly dives into it, boldly. And it's a total ruse. Yeah. But it makes sense. It, it makes complete and total sense mm-hmm. when, when Coulson walks out. It's like, okay, well, you know, he becomes president. He creates the SSR, which then becomes S.H.I.E.L.D. So This is obviously. Right. So, and, so and this has got to be the target. I, I, I love it. I love that it's it's playing after the storytelling and the explanations in place. You have the light bulb moment if you didn't have it already. Then we eventually get later on in the episode where all kinds of awesome happens. <laughs> Interrogation plan number one. Again, I marvel at when we have things that are so simple where you go, okay, so how are we going to get the truth serum-esque thing into the robot band? Right, yeah. And I'm like, I'll grab some nine volt batteries. Can you waterboard a Chronicom? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do they really care? You know, do do, do electrocute it? You know, I I have no idea where they're going to go with, what are they going to do with it? Right. And then it occurs to me, well, wait a second, he's a computer. Okay, all right. So my brain starts, and as my brain is going, Simmons grabs the flippity do out of a basket someplace and shoves it in the back of the dude's head. Well, what we're going to do is we're just going to overload the computer quick. And I'm like, damn, yes. Yeah. Gold star Simmons for going, yeah, let's do that. Oh, it's not working yet? No problem. Ooh, dials up the, dials up the number to 11, yep. and all hell breaks loose. And total kudos to the dude that played this this interrogated chronicom because what a brilliant brilliant showcase this guy is i'll give him he's he's on screen for less than five minutes in the entire episode and damn it if he's not the one bad chronicom in this episode that we walk away remembering yeah 
And I, I love what they do with it. They, they, they instantly make you understand what is going on and what needs to happen to propel the story. And then they snap back over to the other team that's doing whatever the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. I love it. It instantly helps propel the episode as it goes. Meet, help sit, and shake the hand of FDR. Check. This is freaking brilliant. If you thought you'd gotten me with the previous nostalgia of a chain to a future president and the meat of the episode story bullet point. Oh, hold on, mon frere. <laughs> Have I got a sandwich for you? And Mike Wilkerson will take a bite out of the sandwich all day long <laughs> because it's glorious. It is a caring moment between a character that all Marvel fans, I don't care who they are, there's nobody that goes, ah, Coulson? That guy. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. And so being able to be front and center when you see Coulson having the moment with F frickin' D-R. Yeah. What, what, what else needs to be said exactly? And the answer is nothing. Nothing else needs to be said <laughs> because it's so beautiful. This was a moment ripped right from any one of a number of episodes of Quantum Leap, and I absolutely frickin' loved it. Not only does he understand the character because he's either done the research or just knew it or read books or whatever, not only did he kind of know what kind of chain FDR is going to serve inside the link as governor, mm-hmm. but now he gets to go hold the hand and help him sit in his chair that, by the way, no one else knows about in general. And he's able to then escort, help get him out of the way, blah. I loved all of it. I thought all that was brilliant. The Melting Chronicom. This was almost my talking tech moment. <laughs> but then I realized when you're done, not much tech that's going on there afterwards. I'd like to, take the, I'd like to speak to your manager. My Chronicom is melted. <laughs> I, I got a warranty for this thing. We just only had it for five minutes. What the hell? And it instantly goes from having a bad day to wrecked week. <laughs> and... It's brilliant. It is it is done so well and it is the it is the exclamation point for Chronicom number seven hundred and thirty two, whoever this guy is. And again, we didn't know him for nearly as long as we might have wanted to. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't matter. This also matter. where the where the uh the pacing and the editing is concerned for this part of the episode leading up to our next talking point. Dun 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 yeah. And the pacing, and, and it, they stretch it out for a long period of time to where you don't even realize what they're doing yeah. to build that tension yeah. until it happens. Yeah. Welcome, Freddy, the Rope-A-Dope incarnate. This is brilliant. I'm trying to imagine the last feature film where I got Rope-A-Doped as good as this episode of Rope-A-Dopes. Hmm. And believe it or not, I think I'm going to have to go back to Usual Suspects. Oh, wow. Well, that's a long time ago. Yeah. But it's that level of you got to be kidding me. Hmm. Where uh, uh, this is the this is the the nature of a great program where they can literally say with the with the audience is thinking, OK, wait a second. Aren't they cops? If they shoot FDR dead right now across the room. Done. It's all done. Nothing's, it, the mission is accomplished. So why aren't they doing it? Well, they actually say that. Yeah. 
And I love that. I love that they bother. That, that That's a Whedon-esque thing that happens all the freaking time. Where there's somebody inside of whomever the cast is that actually says the words that an audience member might be saying to themselves right now. And I love it. I love it. It's instant. It's instant pathos that takes you from the engaged storytelling part to it's like somebody's in your head. Like somebody's got a little earwig. Right. And they go, um, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Wilkerson thinks that he's not entirely sure why the Chronicoms don't just shoot him now. And then somebody on screen goes, you know, it's strange that the Chronicoms don't just shoot him now. And I love that. I, I, I love it when there is a character that's in my head and I can hear what I'm thinking. And we get that in spades inside this episode. Joss Whedon and everybody that he's worked with and work and has worked for him in his company, including his relatives as well, their way of writing characters is you can't write them like you used to write characters. People are smart and they will call out your bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to make a character, a fictional character, seem more real, they have to be able to call out bullshit as well. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the reasons why I've always been a fan of pretty much anything that Whedon, that has a Whedon name, whether it be Joss or any of his other family members. They don't treat the audience like they're stupid because they create realistic characters. Yeah. And it's stuff like this that helps you the audience member go like yeah i agree why aren't they just shooting them over the characters in the show are articulating what you're thinking and usually right at the same time that yes. you're thinking yeah it. there's no question so it also no makes question. you feel like you're, you're a part of the show if your feels your thoughts are validated yeah and again i appreciate that because it's not only a compelling piece of storytelling it's the affirmative push inside of the storytelling because they're literally telling you, you know that thing you were thinking of? That's not the case, but wait if I got a surprise for you. <laughs> Delivering the future. Along with this incredibly satisfying sandwich, could you give me a side of potato chips that I absolutely drool over? But give me none of them. And here it is. Here's some blue stuff in vials for the future. No idea what it is. Not entirely sure. We have a couple of ideas of what it could be. But hey, by the way, here are some vials for the future. And I'm I'm super curious about it because none of it's paid off. None right. of it. Right. You have you, no you, idea what's there. This is this is your first bit of spycraft in the episode. And you're going like, but wait a minute, Shield hasn't been created, so what <laughs> what, what is why is there spycraft going on anyway? Yeah, right. Right. But it's just building the mystery. Yeah. Well and not only building the mystery. But, again, they essentially have a character that's murdered over them. And, and I dig that. I, I dig not knowing what's going on. It's the compelling nature of being curious and needing to have the information. But we're not going to give it to you this episode. Right. Terminator pulsating nod with slow motion. Glad I'm not the only one who, who saw this <laughs> happening. This is so awesome. There, there is, there's actually two sections of where this happens. The first one is not nearly as over the head as mm -hmm. the second. The first one is only four notes where it's just da-da, da-da. Yeah. 
However, the second one, <laughs> the second one is blunt over the head, five thuds like that, and it's not the colloquial. It's not that. Right. But it's five knocks that are just like that with the same anticipation of, say, Arnold Schwarzenegger turning a corner in slow motion, no less. Mm-hmm. And it is so daunting and, and nostalgia-inducing that I could not possibly not notice it. Right. Oh, yeah. And it was intoxicating. It's intoxicating. Watching a, in particular, a police officer, watching a police officer turn a corner slowly in slow motion is magical because you know what it was magical in 1990 when it happened for the first time again i love it i love the drawn nostalgia i love that they're they're taking elements of stuff that works inside of not only other franchises but other beloved franchises if you think that there are people that get behind marvel concepts and stuff you have not met the voracious terminator fans Mm. and it's why the last several movies failing is a big deal right because when you don't deliver anything at all that's interesting, it's not that you lose those fans. They just get more ravenous. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this was extraordinary. The The music is on point. All of the visuals are on point, And it's a great nod to what you see. We're saving your life and extending a hand. Yet another nod to the Terminator-verse. Where Come with me if you, you want to live. Now, Absolutely. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was almost expecting Deke to say that. I was too. Because it would be something that Deke would say. And I would be like, oh, okay. Way to hit us over the head with it. <laughs> but the fact that he doesn't, doesn't say, say that. Doesn't Correct. Was such a more, it was a more satisfying moment. It, it's totally impactful. Right. It's right. totally impactful. I would have it, been fine with the homage because we've already had a couple of them. Yeah. But I'm so glad that they didn't go for the low-hanging fruit of the joke. Uh, That's so incredibly well said. And again, it's just something I wanted to make sure that we we tack (laughs) on. Because anytime we see something that is that indicative, I mean, it it doesn't get more indicative than the the two big times that it happened are the original Kyle Reese, Michael Bean, and then the second time when literally Arnold Schwarzenegger inside of a a psychiatric hospital hallway Mm. extends his hand to Sarah Connor and says, come with me if you want to live. It is is quintessential science fiction. And we are bathing in what I'm hoping is going to also be quintessential science fiction. (laughs) To save S.H.I.E.L.D., we have to save Hydra. This is very interesting. And I think maybe a piece of or at least one half of the bread in a sandwich that we're going to get throughout the entire season that will be that the completion of whatever the hell you're talking about where all sa- all fans get satisfied at the end of the season yeah. by having a delicious sandwich. And I'm hoping that this is a piece of that. I, I, one would think. Because, again, if we look back at all of the Marvel movies, for, for those that are curious, stop, stop, take your brain off Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. mode for a second. And escape to the MCU. Go to your favorite Marvel film right now. Mm-hmm. What is it? And the answer will be whatever your answer is. That's cool. And now try and remember where in the gauntlet of my favorite movies Winter Soldier appeared. And so if it wasn't Winter Soldier, <laughs> then right behind whatever the hell you hold as your favorite movie 
is pretty freaking likely Winter Soldier because it is that good a movie. Right. Not only is it a a great superhero movie, it is a great spycraft film. It's a great conspiracy film. Mm. It is a great action film outright. No, yeah. Like, I don't have words. And if what they're building here can somehow dovetail into that, there's your second piece of bread. Because I, I, the only way that Winter Soldier could get more meaty is if they use Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to put in a third patty. Yeah. Because holy cow, would that be interesting. Which it looks like we are going to get. When, when you think about the timeline... And, and they point it in dialogue. They, they actually they bring it up. It's Hydra has to be created so that S.H.I.E.L.D. has a foil to fight. But at the same time, Hydra still has to exist because Hydra infiltrates S.H.I.E.L.D. And so much that so that it's a piece ha- of the mechanism. Well, right. right. That mm-hmm. has to happen. You right. can't go back in time and change the fact that right. Hydra didn't infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, just here, so that Winter Soldier never happened. Right. Let's just erase Red Skull. Done. Right. You can't do that. You can't do that right. because then you create alternate universes. Right. Right. Remember, right, right. as Deke was telling Mac and how Mac used it as a mantra for this episode, <laughs> ripples not waves. Yeah. Ripples not waves. Yeah. Well- you got to keep the ripples small because if if we get rid of Hydra, that's a huge tidal wave that will destroy time. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's funny because it becomes the reverse Sarah Connor story. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably why we got the tips of the hat of Terminator verse <laughs> inside this episode. I really yeah. do believe that. Yeah. And again, it's about it's about finding a, an avenue to one and or any of the writers to try and find out more because I I have to think that that's a piece of it. May goes missing. I found her. She's she's up there hiding in the rafters, yeah, looking the, all menacing. Yeah, this was brilliant. And by the way, jeers to Necronomicron <laughs> <laughs> because he apparently is is an idiot. Like he wouldn't even think of looking up. What? Oh, hey, but remember, it, it's actually a comic book thing. Nobody ever looks up. <laughs> There, there have been a lot of comic books that make fun of the fact that normal people never look up, so you're not seeing the people, the superheroes flying above you. Mm. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'll tell you what. If that's the way that it works inside of the storytelling, <laughs> then I will eat my missing May point here. Uh, but I, uh, again, here's another reason. Here's another way to think of it. Enoch would have no reason to believe that May was well enough to have herself wedged physically up in the rafters how yeah. about that yeah uh, th- that works and okay the, the other thing that was curious is that you mean to tell me that whatever the system that enoch was jacked into doing all of his when it all finishes up the sewing bit it doesn't go ding or uh, <laughs> uh process finished or may is complete or whatever the whatever whatever haha thing it would say or or, or let's even look at uh, modern medical technology and have a bed alarm <laughs> yeah, like if that, she got yeah, out yeah, of yeah, bed yeah. Uh, there'd be a ding or something yeah, like if that. if the bio bed detects that there's no more weight on the bed <laughs> then an alarm or something would go off no not in this one sorry no soup for you it's so high tech that we don't <laughs> we need don't things need that. like that <laughs> anybody that's in this bio bed knows that the bio bed would save their life and they'd never leave yeah, but the thing is, is that that's everybody else. This, 
is Melinda May. Yeah, too true. And the bottom line, I mean, the, the 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 cross across all of this is, yeah, watch me complain about Agent May being back alive. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a wonderful episode filled with so much, not just layered nostalgia, but everything in every direction, everywhere mm-hmm. inside of this episode. There's, there's still so much more to talk about. And we're going to talk about more after we go to break here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, our visit to the final season, season seven, episode one, The New Deal. We'll be right back. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with The Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, our focus is on the last season, Season 7, Episode 1, The New Deal. Every time Nick and I come back from break, it's time to break open the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers is where Nick and I find either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element, or something else that kicked Major League ass inside of this episode. Nick, what do you got? There was plenty that I could have placed in my dossier to where maybe I would have needed three or four volumes. Yeah, you might need a file cabinet for this Exactly. This was huge. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled with the concept of to save S.H.I.E.L.D., we must save Hydra. Mm. A lot of times people get caught up on what the plot and what the theme 
is mm -hmm. for a show sure. or a movie. Yeah, I, I can see uh, that. Especially for a TV show, because a TV show has to have the overarching plot of mm -hmm. the season, right. but then every episode has the small little plots. Agreed. I think one of the best examples of boiling a plot down for a show is the first season of the show Heroes. Mm -hmm. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can't get more simple than that. And now, unfortunately, that show, which had major potential, and I absolutely love that first season. I do, too. I did, too. But unfortunately, I, I want to say the, the writer's strike definitely did not oh, help yeah. that show. No. Uh -uh. And it, when it came back, it, it never recovered. Right. What I want to talk about here is the fact that we are, for this final season, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who we saw in the first season of this show go from an organization that protected the globe to just a small a ragtag group of people who wanted to do good. They wanted to be heroes even though they weren't super. Mm -hmm. And even though as the seasons went, went along, things did change, S.H.I.E.L.D. did come back for a little while and then went away again. But the fact that we are now ending the show with the fact that our heroes that we've been following from the beginning now have to <laughs> protect the integrity of the creation of this organization that they know is going to be the cause of so much pain, suffering, and death, and the ultimate betrayal of their beliefs later on in the future, in the past, <laughs> however you want to look at it. The fact that they have to do this, wow! It's very tempting in time travel stories to change things. It's extremely tempting. And depending on what rules you're, you're laying down, for your time travel story, sometimes changing things can happen for the better. Let's look at Marty McFly. Mm -hmm. Things mm -hmm. things worked out for Marty McFly. And I do believe we've talked about this before on this podcast, but nobody's ever really looked at the ending of Back to the Future and gone, Marty has no memories of this new timeline where his life is okay. So now he's going to have to navigate an existence where he doesn't know doesn't what's know going on. Doesn't know anything that's going on, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. and that right there sounds terrifying. Sure, you got the big truck, and you got the girl, and your parents aren't as spazzy as they used to be, but you know nothing about the world that you live in, and to have something like that have a possibility of showing up in this show, depending on where it goes. Again, we don't know. Holy crap, yeah, I'm in for the ride. Yeah. Even if I wasn't before, I'm definitely in for the ride now. Yeah. And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Yeah. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is something that we have not even touched on mm. inside of this entire review so far, which is now an, an epically long one. Not so strangely, most of our intro episodes right. usually are a little right. bit longer. But it's something that I thought for sure, without question... I would need need to have on my Kevlar neoprene Nick's coming out guns blazing bulletproof vest on with. <laughs> Ready for this? Give it to me. There is no snap. There's no mention. There's nothing in regard to the snapping here. And right. for those that are somehow not familiar or haven't listened to our program before, the snapping that I'm referring to is the snap from 
Infinity War and then into Endgame. Right. That instantly and radically changed everything Marvel. And I can't remember what they ended up calling it in uh, the real... Far From Home. It was the the incident oh, no, or no, no, something no. like that. It was that. Um, the blip. The blip. Is it that, was the blip. I, I I hate that. I hate that. That's horrible. I the snapping makes snappity more makes sense. All sense. Right. It, and I guess it's because nobody would like who would go and share the story of the snapping. Although after Tony kills himself, who wouldn't share? Well, yeah. It? I mean, I don't know. Homecoming. I, they talk about t- what Tony Stark did, so we know that there was a snap. I, I I will be curious to see if any other property ever bothers to go back and talk about the snapping or whatever the hell they're going to call it, the the anomaly, whatever. Right. Anyway, that it is not mentioned here. And that Nick did not come in and shoot this entire episode filled with holes of, yeah, man, that's really awesome. But what about the snapping? Why would I do that, Mike? Where, where I did the, that last the season, remember? Uh, I'm wondering if maybe the snap is going to be mentioned here. Season six took no, place no, I know, after the I know. snap, and, man. And, and it, the, the, you are not the feature of my dossier <laughs> that this show chose to not have it is my dossier. Yet. Ah, true. Very true. Uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm going to keep that word and on on my, like, pinned n- to my chest. Yet. Right. Now, here's the good part, is if they choose to show it later inside the season, I'm fine with that. I don't mm-hmm. have any problem at all. Right. Uh, even if they don't mention it, I'm even, I think it's even that much more interesting because the fact of the matter is that as we record this podcast, we are just over a month and a year of the release of Endgame. Yeah, about 14 months, yeah. And I, I again, I <laughs> I can remember us lamenting that, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the writing staff don't give the time of day to anything inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in regard to the snapping. I remember us talking about it specifically. And fast forwarding now, the 14 months, I'm fine with it not being here. At least not, like you said, yet. Right. And when they do bring it in, if they bring it in. If they bring it in. I'm going to be even that much more impressed because they will have bothered to bring it in. Mm-hmm. But if they didn't, if all they've got to do is, quote, run on the fuel that's being presented here, dude, turn the key, let's go. Yeah. yeah. That's where we ask you guys, what is your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode? Season 7, Episode 1, The New Deal. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Ah, the rating. Inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, the scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A shiny new L.M. Coulson, just for you and your nostalgic comic book collecting endeavors. One is on the bottom of the scale. A dude ripping your face off because daddy need a new face, leaving you with a racer face. Everything starts as a 7 in the middle. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? Usually when a show comes back or, you know, the season premiere, they pull out all the stops because they want to get you invested so that you will come back for the rest of the season. Fair. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has actually had a handful of season premieres that were like that. that, Fair. That were just nonstop action, big explosions, shocking reveals, things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. This, not so much. This is a more subdued season premiere. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Okay. I like the fact that we're not guns blazing 
you know, giant explosions in 1931. We don't have Coulson swinging from a rope from the Zephyr rescuing FDR in in the final frames of the episode. Mm-hmm. We could have had something like that, mm-hmm. but we didn't. Right. My rating for this episode has changed from when I watched it to now because we've talked about it, mm-hmm. which and that usually does happen for for me and for us sometimes. Chemistry set. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. When I saw the episode, I loved it. There was nothing wrong with the episode, but it wasn't a, holy crap, that was great. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I can't give this a 10 mm-hmm. because it's not, holy crap, this is great. Mm-hmm. So my original rating after I watched the episode the first time was, oh, this is an eight. It's above average, but it's not mind blowing. As we have spent as you said, an extra chunky episode for, for for this first Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast return. It's changed my mind. So for me, even though I can't give this a 10 because it wasn't blow your hair back, oh my God, oh, check my pulse and my shorts, it's definitely a solid nine. I, I think that those are all well said, and I was ready to come out guns blazing with 10s. Out of both of my both of my pistol areas, <laughs> uh, but I'm not gonna, and it's simply because I'm hoping that there's something better inside this season. Yeah, it's not that this was crap. No, it no, wasn't. it wasn't crap at all. But I'm really hoping that there, or let's put it this way, when something else better happens, I can't then go back and reverse all of my other tens. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, and I'm on the high nine. I, I know we don't do in betweenies and all the rest. <laughs> there are no halvesies. There are no halvesies. But wow, this is as high a nine as you can possibly get. And the only reason it doesn't get a 10 is because I'm hoping that there's going to be something better this season. Right, right. And I, I, I don't know how to pay a higher compliment than that to the writing staff and the creative staff of this show. Uh, not only do I expect something better, I know there's something better. Yeah, yeah. Because, the again, the course of the last four, almost maybe five whole seasons mm-hmm. of storytelling and, and shoveling and puzzle piece intertwining abilities that they have shown here is just immaculate. It, it's where I've done program reviews in the past where not only do I go, Oh, I got to find 42 minutes to watch this show. <laughs> and then I got to record a podcast. About, oh, I don't have any of that. Right. I have none of that. I'm just about the show. I don't think we would be doing this if it felt like work. The funny har-har of that is this, and in particular, the one program I know I'm going to be focusing on when I talk about stuff like this is the following, starring Kevin Bacon on Fox. We went through every single episode and season of that, along with some special edition releases. And it wasn't because we loved the show. In fact, I really did not like that show much at all. But it's the sense of completion factor. Mm -hmm. It was that we need to educate the public on why the show is not above board. Right. And and why, when you recognize this, you should not be watching it. Well, I think we did that when we reviewed the season of Marvel's Inhumans. Oh, that's very well said. Yeah, that For those of you that were around then, it's, it's the same concept. And it, that what you're absolutely right. That was grueling. That was it, grueling. It, it was grueling, but we still had fun. Yeah. Because it's the chemistry set of what we do. Yeah. The, the, the big get, though, of reviewing the following was this. I knew it was going to get canceled. So I didn't have to worry that there were going to be four and five and ten seasons of that program because it's just not going to last. Mm. And thankfully it didn't. 
and and I, again, I look back at the time and effort and money that we spent on manufacturing that see those seasons, and it was definitely a great learning experience. In particular, a learning experience that I don't know that anybody else has. Usually, when you find a show that's a dud, you kind of just go, ah, fuck that guy," right? <laughs> and you and you move on. And we didn't have to worry about that because we finished. Mm. So the sense of completion, and really, what was born out of that, ironically, was whatcopswatch.com. Because well, at least we, something good came out of it. Yeah, it, I I literally brought on police officers to tell people how bad that show was, <laughs> because the integrity checks inside of that program, especially after mm, the fourth episode of season one, they were non freaking existent. Wow, it was terrible. It was it was a terrible program, which this program is not. Right. So again, to grab the wheel and jerk it back into place, a nine for this episode. I cannot wait until Wednesday next week. Yes. When I'm going to be delivered yet another chronicle of what we can expect this season for agents of shield on abc and hulu streaming that's where we ask you guys what did you rate this episode season seven the last season episode one the new deal let us know what you think by going to our website over at agentsofshield.tv fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think until next time i'm mike wilkerson one of your hosts and i'm nicholas j hearn your other host thanks for listening and we'll see you next time episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately, facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marjo... Margo Of Cindy Margolis. <laughs> of eight... A complete education... A complete, detailed, and ed, and always educational... Are, are you new? Hold on, I'm reading the script. A one is on the bottom of the list. Time to stand in line. <laughs> Have your face ripped off. Oh, all right. I was be, gonna, that's a nice one. I was going to say to stand in the bread line waiting for more food, but okay, I get it. I want to take his face my my my, my 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 interpreter. <laughs> oh, thank you for that quote. <laughs> thank you for that endearing quote. My uh, my brain went into interpreter mode, and that's the sign for wolf. Oh. So, sorry. <clears throat> I know that's so incredibly Were, endearing. Werewolf. Werewolf. <laughs> Werewolf. <laughs>